This is episode 212 of How About That Cigar, recorded live at the Corona Cigar Studio. We talk to Miguel Chaudel about crowned head cigars and cover some other industry topics. Please take a minute to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Corona Cigar Company is your one-stop shop for all your cigar needs. Whether that's brand new humidor, a box of those new cigars you've been waiting for, a top-of-the-line cutter or lighter, a place to enjoy the finest cigars and spirits with friends, or the only cigars grown right here in the Sunshine State. We've got you covered. Come visit one of our retail locations for the ultimate cigar experience. Visit us online at coronacigar.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 212 of How About That Cigar Live here in the Corona Cigar Studios. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. Uh, take just a minute, if you would, please, and share us out on your favorite Facebook cigar groups. Let everybody know that we are live. Uh, and... Uh, take a minute also, join us in the comments, let us know what you're smoking, let us know what you're drinking this evening. Uh, we have a fantastic returning special guest, one of our favorite people in the industry, coming on in just a few minutes. Uh, but here in the Corona Cigar Studios, you hear some crickets chirping in the background. There's about 16 trillion flies here in, in the studio. Um, and, you know, it's just the way it is when you open the doors. You turn on the lights, you open the doors, and the flies come I've been, running. I've been practicing my Taekwondo. Hi-ya, hi-ya, hi-ya. <laughs> I said we got to get, get some him. chopsticks out here and and see if we can uh, Matt do did, the Karate Kid thing. You did Ninja one earlier. I was pretty I did. I got him. I got him. But uh, there's, yeah, and after I got him, I said, eh, only $23 trillion left to go. Oh. Um, so um, to start off, the <laughs> Minnesota Twins, um, and I haven't checked the score uh, recently, but the uh, Minnesota Twins are doing pretty well. They're playing out of their butts. They're 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 doing pretty well. They're, I mean, they still are inconsistent. But the game yesterday, a 13 inning marathon against the Rangers. It was the last game in the series. Uh, this particular series against the the Rangers, 13 innings, and it kind of ended. As fun as the game was, it sort of ended anticlimactic climactically because it was a walk-off walk. It was bases loaded, walk-off walk. So I, I was, I mean, I'm excited that they won. Yeah. You know, after because they were down and then they they kept tying it back, back up again. He saw. But I just I wanted like a walk-off hit, you know. But we'll still we'll take it. At least at least you're enjoying this baseball season this year. Yeah, I am crushed. <laughs> I get constant texts. How about your Yankees now? How about your Yankees now? Where's those 27 championships? Yeah. All right. So, got them, by the way, uh, we just started today. We started a three game series against Cleveland, who are right behind us mm -hmm. in the standings. Currently, bottom of the sixth, it's 10 to six twins. And they were down four zip. They were they? down four zip in the second inning. So, I mean, I like the fact that they're showing resiliency. That's a good thing. Um, they they tend to not just roll over and die when they're down, which that has kind of been their mo the last few years. With they, if they were were to get down a run or two, uh, or five, then they would just fold up like tents and so, stop playing. Somebody told me I don't know if it was BS or not, or they were just drying in at me. The last time the Twins won their Super, Bowl, I mean, excuse me, the Super Bowl. I'm thinking football already. Go Jets. Um, <laughs> 
the last time the Twins won the World Series was when the Yankees weren't in the playoffs. 1991. It's the last time the Yankees weren't in the playoffs. Wow. Well, the last I don't time know if there was bullshit or they were they were digging me a little bit that the Yankees. The last time the year. Twins won a playoff game, I think, was 2009, and it wasn't against the Yankees, and it was not against the Yankees. <laughs> so there's a chance, Twin fans. There's yeah. A chance. Well, there's a chance that we're. I, I I'd say, as long as they just stay, you know, semi consistent, we're gonna get into the playoffs. Um, but the Twins streak, I just. I, I don't trust the twin streak in the playoffs, um, but every streak has to end, right? Yeah. So let's hope it ends this I'm, year. I'm hoping they do it, especially since the Yankees aren't in there. I still, yeah, still like the Twins, even though everybody busts my chops about being a Yankees fan in Minnesota. But so you mentioned the New York Jets. So Aaron Rodgers um, actually suited up in a preseason yeah, game, which is unusual for him. Yeah. Um, he didn't. He looked okay. He looked all right. You know, but that pass to Wilson that was that was beautiful. pretty but that's that's like that classic Devontae Adams yep. kind of pass that he would make to Adams back with Green Bay. And I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful this year for the Jets. Yeah. The I just want to make the playoffs. I think you guys have a shot to make the playoffs this year. Tough Green yeah. Green Bay, I think I think Green Bay is probably gonna eke out a wild card spot. Um Love looks because solid. I don't think Green Bay is gonna be um, last place in the NFC North. I think actually, I think Green Bay is gonna be better than everybody expects. I have a feeling Green Bay is gonna get the number two spot in the NFC North and eke behind the Vikings. Spot. I think Detroit's looking good. I think too. Detroit's gonna probably win the NFC North. Hmm. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Lucky we got Chicago to beat up on. Yeah. Um, but we want to remind you guys about cigars and baseball, one of our favorite events of the year. Uh, and that is coming up on September 14th at CHS Field in St. Paul, Minnesota. That is where the St. Paul Saints play, and that is the place they call home. Um, it, Cigars and Baseball is a fantastic event for the Miracle League, which puts together baseball facilities for uh, kids with disabilities. So they're still able to participate in the game of baseball. Uh, even with their disabilities. Uh, so all the all the proceeds go to that. There's a ton of great cigar companies, uh, local food, local beer, local uh, wine, local uh, um, uh, spirits. Yes. So uh, And it's an absolute fantastic time. Exactly. Not only is it a great cause, it's a blast. It is. You see buddies you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's For the price, it's, it's a, a perfect day um it's it's a it's a great time and there's and it, nothing there's nothing like watching baseball outside smoking a cigar having a beer that's the coolest or, thing too, is you literally get to because they have you know some local sort of bar league teams playing on the field and you get to sit there with a cigar in in the stands watching live baseball which is something i never thought i'd be able to do in my lifetime um because i was always I, I i go back every year and i watch that ken burns baseball documentary mm -hmm. And it's so cool to see those pictures and old movie reels from back in the day when people, you know, dressed up in their suits with their fine tailored suits and their hats, sitting there with a with a with a fine cigar watching a watching baseball, baseball game. I that oh man, I wish we could bring that back, but yeah. you know, I get it. The world is the way it is. It's okay. Uh, but I don't want to wait anymore. We have a great special guest coming on the show. I uh, love his haircut. 
I absolutely He's got a great haircut. <laughs> and as always, special guests on How About That Cigar Live brought to us by our friends at Drew Estates. And at the upcoming Drew Estate Barn Smoker events, every VIP attendee will receive a 12 count box of Liga Pravada H99 Connecticut Corojo Flying Pigs as a part of the VIP ticket package. Also, Drew Diplomat retailers who register and attend any barn smoker can purchase as many as five 12 count H99 Flying Pig boxes to sell in their stores. Each 12 count box will have an msrp of 246 dollars liga provada h99 connecticut corojo flying pigs will only be available to vip experience ticket holders and select drew diplomat program retailers who attend this year's barn smokers for more information please visit barnsmoker.com all right do you know every time you say that you read that whole thing me and justin just look at each other and smile i know i know <laughs> that's it i can't uh, the, they put all those words together and i gotta read it fast and it's like i can't say those words together again because my tongue gets all tied up all right ladies and gentlemen without further ado please welcome back to how about that cigar live this time on episode 212 from crowned heads miguel Chaudel. gentlemen thank you for having me on man thank you guys so grateful to have you with us again, brother. Uh, if you would, please. Yeah, look at that shiny, yeah, beautiful there hair. You go. <laughs> we go to St. Barbara, by the way. Yes, we do. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for having me on. I always appreciate uh, the invite. I always enjoy doing the show and um, love what you guys are doing. Um, it's always spreading the word, the good word about cigars and the culture. So thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. It's our pleasure, brother. So uh, give uh, give our viewers a skinny. What uh, what are you smoking and drinking with us this evening? Well, I am I've gone back to the roots of Crowned Heads. I am smoking the Four Kicks Red Label, which is 100% Nicaraguan filler binder wrappers Ecuador Habano, made by Ernesto Perez Carrillo, rolled in his factory TLA in uh, Santiago Dominican Republic. This was the first cigar that Crowned Heads launched in 2011. It's one of my favorite cigars. Now, traditionally, I smoke the Corona Gorda, which is 5.58 by 46, but I have a full box of the Sublime, which is the Toro, and it is smoking beautiful tonight, and I have paired it up with um, Flor de Caña, 25-year. Mm, mm, this, mm. this bottle was a gift of mine. It was a gift to me from uh, my good friend Tommy at uh, Nickel City Cigar up in Buffalo, New York, and um, so I'm smoking cigars, drinking rum, um, and I'm, my name's not Skip Martin. So, um, you know, <laughs> other other people enjoy the two collaboration as well. So most definitely I am smoking your new stick. Got me on this one. Oh, you can do that one if you want. to. Oh, beautiful. Oh, I love that. There, stick. Go. Look at oh, that there we go. Lavaretta, also made by Ernesto Perez Carrillo. That's a that's a very special cigar that John Huber worked on a long time with. Um, with uh, Ernesto. Ernesto is, you know, he's an amazing uh, living legend in our business. Yeah. And uh, just an amazing guy. And I know I just mentioned Skip. I know Skip has a cigar that he just blended with him too. And I think anybody who works with Ernie, it's a, it's a blessing and it's um, quite the experience to work with someone with that many years of experience in his business. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Justin, what do you got fired up? What are you smoking? Uh, I get the four kicks mule kick limited edition 2020. Oh, nice. fantastic. Going back 2020. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you, brother. Also an Ernesto cigar. I, uh, I'm i also going to fire up the new La Barretta. Thank you, man. Thank so, you so much. Beautiful um, well, Ecuador or uh, um, uh, Nicaraguan shade grown Jalapa wrapper. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful cigar. 
Well, John, when we talked to John at the trade show, he was kind enough to give us a couple of those cigars and, and, you know, trade show cigars or Vegas being what it is, you like to let cigars rest for a little while. So we thought it fitting to uh, fire those up this evening. Uh, And I am going to reach back here and get our little friend because I need to fire up this cigar right now on the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Toast Cam. Love that. Let's let's get him here. We we're, go. we're trying. We're only going to slap his butt once or twice tonight. <laughs> what? It's I got it. Don't worry about it. Okay. There he is. There he is. All right. We ready? Let's do this. Here we go. All right. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail. And focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sobra Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more there we go very nice yeah we're getting a little there we go a little oh wow oh little, yeah yeah there we go and if there is a uh sasquatch he may live in minnesota you guys have a lot of a lot of uh wilderness a lot of there. woods yeah yeah so i'd if, say i'd say Sas- sasquatch is probably somewhere in minnesota i think i dated her in high school <laughs> <laughs> hey hey so if you guys are wondering um why well, I, I never read either justin or he reads or i'm a fireman we don't have to read <laughs> do you know do you know how to read i know how to read my check <laughs> <laughs> he reads numbers baby that's all that matters that's all you just just read the oxygen meter and yeah. make sure it's make sure it's good to go They're still alive um so one of the things miguel that that we relate on in a lot of ways is baseball. So before we get into cigars, got to talk a little bit about how, uh, how the 2023 season is going. Um, I will say that your Cincinnati reds have pleasantly surprised me this season. I am loving And as a, as a kid who grew up, you know, going to reds games, um, you know, living on the, the Indiana side, uh, and not far from, from, uh, Cincinnati, I went to probably half dozen reds games when I was a little kid and have a soft spot for them always have and they really have pleasantly surprised me this season what's uh what's the story with your club this year well you know we're six games out from first place in our division which is um people are on are shocked and i'm shocked and the fans are shocked because last year we lost 100 games and believe it or not in the history of cincinnati reds you know you can go back to 1869 if you want but if you just from the 1900s, we've only lost 100 games maybe three times in our entire history. So that's that was as bad as a performance of any Cincinnati Reds team you could possibly imagine. And this year, um, we've already like surpassed our wins from last year, and we're we're well on our way to battling for a wild card position. This team is all young. We have I think five or six rookies um, on the on the. Uh, on the team called up and, and any night in, in the batting lineup, there's four to five rookies. And I honestly believe that these guys are young, they're rookies and they don't know they're supposed to be bad. <laughs> and so they're just playing and having fun. And we've got two to three guys that are rookies that could battle for rookie of the year. 
I will tell you as a Cincinnati Reds fan, this season has been so exciting. I'm excited. This is Joey Votto's probably last year as a Cincinnati Red. He's been, you know, the 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 Barry Larkin of this generation to the team. Yeah. And uh, I'm just glad that if this is his last year, it's his last year of his contract. I mean, it could always bring him back on another contract uh, a year or something. But if this is his last year, I'm, gr- I'm I'm happy that there's some wins, that the team has hope, that they're playing um, for a wild card position. And it's really exciting, man. I absolutely love it. We're six games behind out of first place. I don't know if we can catch Milwaukee, but you guys are six games up over Cleveland. The Twins are. Yeah. And I, and I believe the Twins, if you play 500 the rest of the season, I think you guys are going to win that division. I'm high on the I'm high up on the on the Twins. Um, but the Reds have been exciting, a lot of fun. And you guys had mentioned about um, this event in Minnesota. I've never got to go at a, go to it, but I've heard a lot about it over the years. And smoking a cigar in a baseball park just feels right. And I yeah. will tell you that in the Reds' old um, field, uh, we, we, we play in Great American Ballpark right now. Before that, we played in Riverfront. Riverfront, and, baby. Yeah, Riverfront, which you, you, you and I went to in our youth. Yeah. And um, the ballpark, Crosley Field, that was uh, the Reds' home before Riverfront, um, they had a cigar that was exclusively sold in that ballpark called Eyebold. Eyebold was a cigar that was made in Cincinnati for many years, and then it went to Indiana. It's a machine-made cigar, but that was the exclusive cigar that you could buy at Crosley Field was Eyebold. Mm. They advertised on the on the wall, on the outfield wall. They were part of Cincinnati baseball heritage and culture, was smoking an Eyebold at the at the Reds game. So um, I love that. You guys had mentioned earlier about the olden days, and, yeah, guys would get dressed up in their hats and dressed to the nines to go to a game, and they would smoke Eyebolds at Crosley Field watching this incredible Reds uh, team, you know. Uh, baseball and cigars have a have a way of kind of uh, bringing people together. And yeah. um, this year has been a lot of fun, incredible. Now, I know the Yankees aren't performing well. I know the Yankees are. But, listen, you guys have 27 championships, all right? Sometimes you got to make room for other teams to win. And uh, and and you know this this happens. This is this happens. Yankees. This is called not winning every game. I think I know it's new to you guys. I'm about to cry. He's he's getting really he's getting really choked up right now. I mean, look look, the Phillies went to the <laughs> to the World Series last year, and they're not performing that well either. And it's nobody. Like, and that's I love it because that at the beginning of the season, nobody expected the Phillies to go to the World Series last year. No, no. And I mean, look uh, look at the Mets. The Mets had the biggest payroll this year, oh and goodness. they've underperformed. Yep. So and look and think about this. I, if I I think I've read somewhere that uh, I think it's oh shoot I forget what team it is. It's one of the I think it's maybe the the Orioles. When you look at how much the Orioles have spent and how much the San Diego Padres have spent, mm-hmm. and you and you look at the the names on the team, you would never guess that the Padres are at the bottom and Baltimore is performing as well as they are. Once in a while, when this craziness happens, when teams that shouldn't be winning are winning and teams that have the payroll and the players are not winning, it's always an exciting time. It doesn't happen very often, maybe once every five, ten years. But uh, if you're watching baseball and you're just a fan of the sport, this year has been very exciting. It has been. One of the things that I have to mention about the Twins, and I love this just because it's a hometown thing here. Now, I wasn't born and raised here because we're we're in Forest Lake, Minnesota, which is a northern suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul. Forest Lake High School, right here in town, a young man was born and raised here in Forest Lake, came up through the Forest Lake school system, played all his high school ball at Forest Lake High School, went on to bigger and better things, 
And that young man is Matt Walner, who has mm. become an absolute phenom uh, pickup from the minute. So the Twins called him up last year for, I want to say, three or four games. And they sent him back down. They called him up this year, and they kept him. I mean, mm. it, the, the kid is absolutely killing it. He's great defensively. He's mm. killing the ball with his bat. I think he is, and I just love seeing every time he has a big play because I just think to myself, that kid's from right here in town, and I love seeing We that. We do that a lot, it seems like. We had Thielen, yeah. we had the other twin. Yeah, I mean, uh, Maurer. Maurer. And, yeah, the home the hometown people uh, from around, It's and it's just, I, I love seeing it. Uh, yeah, you know, Cincinnati is famous for uh, having yeah. guys that grew up in Cincinnati on the team. There's actually a book that the Reds had published years ago about how many guys throughout the years who grew up in Cincinnati wind up playing for the Reds. And uh, that, I mean, it's a great story when it, when a kid grows up and you know he went to Twins games growing up. You know that was his team to end up on the team and to make your major league debut with that. I mean, that's that that is every dream come true of every kid, and yeah. um, that's exciting. It's an extra layer of of excitement to watch a young guy like that play for his hometown team. I mean, that's just neat, man. Yeah. So, you know, since it's a cigar show, I guess we'll talk a little bit about cigars. Um, now, like I said, when we were at the trade show and we talked to John Huber, um, mostly about this La Verretta, um, this, this is a cigar that, like you said, working with Ernie, uh, Ernie's one of the greats in the business. And... Um, you know, he has, uh, I, I've never met a single person who has, uh, anything but, um, positive things to say about yeah. Ernesto Perez Carrillo and the mind that he has for tobacco and the availability because of the, the way that company's grown, he has a lot of availability of tobacco and, um, a lot of great people around him in his factory. Um, but this project La Verretta, is, uh, I don't want to say it's a departure from uh, what we've seen from crown heads uh, in the first uh, the first 10 plus years, but it's this is like a, a statement cigar. It feels like a statement yeah. cigar to me. So talk us through sort of the, you know, the your your early learnings about this project, the origins of the project and um, how the. Because John even mentioned that there were some, you know, thing times where it's like, oh yeah, we're settled on the blend, and then Ernie's like, nope, 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 we're not settled on the blend. And so I and I love hearing about those little things that happen behind the scenes with the process. So uh, talk us through the story of this cigar. So I'm I'm a geek about history like that too, right? And Ernie's full of those kind of stories. But what was neat was when John started working on this project, I remember seeing his drawings and and what he had in mind. And his inspiration for this cigar was actually a cigar called El Rico Havano, which if you were smoking in the 90s, um, it was a full-bodied cigar when full-bodied cigars were not in vogue. La Gloria Cubano obviously was, was the big breadwinner for Ernie, and El Rico Havano was a cigar that he really enjoyed smoking, and it never really took off like La Gloria Cubana. Um, and I know when he joined General, they tried to push it, but it never got the legs that La Gloria had. But if you were in the know back in the 90s, it was a cigar that was just full-bodied, robust. It was a dark wrapper, had a beautiful red band on it. And that was actually John's inspiration, which you're smoking a cigar that has nothing like El Rico Habano. So that was his inspiration. And, and I love these stories because at the end of the day, I've been in the cigar industry 21 years. 
I have got to be a part of a lot of different things. I spent a lot of time down at the factories, but the truth is, is that I've never, I mean, I don't partake in the creativity necessarily part. Right. And so these stories always intrigue me that you can start with an idea and what you finish with may not be what you had in mind, but it turns out better. And I, I think that's kind of where we went with El Rico Habano um, <laughs> idea. So the packaging, John had designed the packaging, the Vitolas, the blend. And Ernie finally said, you know what? I'm not feeling it, man. Um, I, I want to go back and start all over again. And because this project, you know, we've never gone to Ernie and said, hey, what do you think about four kicks? Or what do you think about uh, Le Carême, the packaging? Or anything? But we wanted him to really partake in this. Ernie is not just a manufacturing partner. Ernie takes a vested interest in our success and our brand and our blends. And we call him El Padrino, the Godfather, because, I mean, that is who he is to us. I mean, when I tell you we're on the phone with him or Ernie Jr. every week, we really are. We're giving each other ideas. We help each other out. Um, a major part of his factory is dedicated to Crown Head's product. And so Ernie said, hey, listen, um, I want you guys to come down. I want you to look at some of this tobacco that I put in reserve. He has a huge area in his um, tobacco warehouse down in Santiago of tobacco that he's sitting on. And some of this tobacco is 10, 15 years old. And what was awesome was I was actually down there with Tim, too. And he opened up some of these bales and you smell these bales and they they're almost like a well-aged steak. You know what I mean? They have like this this um, this, uh, you know. 80 day, you know, uh, age steak kind of aroma to it. And it's just this richness and this thickness, this tobacco. It's not as strong as it was when it was grown, but it's just replaced with a ton of flavor and depth. And so, uh, you know, for me, all the years I've been in the industry, most of the tobacco that I'm seeing or I'm, I'm around is a year to two to three years of age. And so to smoke or try things that are four five, six years old was a new experience for me. And as, as John jumped into these tobaccos and started working, you know, Ernie opening this 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 other area of his warehouse to us and saying, hey, I really want you guys to have something special. Here is some of my best tobacco. Um, <laughs> I see Skip's <laughs> been there, used that. Um, and, you know, I think probably Skip can can confirm, too, is that, you know, it's it's incredible. Skip owns a factory. He kind of knows to sit on tobacco for four, five, six years. is not easy. Um, yeah. A lot of people. I think have this idea that the cigar they're smoking is five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years old. Right. Or someone comes out with a cigar saying it's a 10 year old wrapper. There's no governing body that tells you, you have to say the real deal. Right. And Ernie to me is very much that kind of real deal guy. He's not going to make a cigar and let someone say, Hey, this is a 20 year old wrapper. Cause he knows that's not true. And Ernie opened this up and he said, Hey, listen, I have this wrapper that I'm using on encore. Um, and it's, and it's, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? And, and, and this 10 year, or this, this, this shade grown Jalapa wrapper he's using on Encore, he offered it to us as well. And so we kind of built this blend around that we're using a Nicaraguan binder and then the binders Jalapa as well, which gives this beautiful kind of sweet characteristic to the cigar. And then the fillers are predominantly from us. We would always do Nicaraguan tobacco in the fillers. Right. And Ernie had convinced us that there's some Piloto Cubano that he's been working with that he's really a fan of. And we've always been very resistant to Dominican tobacco. And yet he he really surprised us with some of this really well-aged tobacco that he's working with. And he gave us the opportunity to, to add a little Dominican in the filler, which is out of character for Crown Heads. And we were able to create um, the cigar La Varetta. And every time John would, would get to the Dominican and travel with Ernie, Ernie was always seemed to be listening to um, a song by um, 
the Buena Vista Social Club, and that's where the name of the cigar came from. Great band. Um, La Veretta. and that's what it. Oh, I yeah. Buena Vista Social Club. Since I was a kid, when I was a kid, my parents listened to that, and oh yeah, that old that old Cuban, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Latin jazz. Like it, it, it started the whole revolution of of the Latin jazz. But sorry, Miguel, I just uh, no, yeah. Listen, well, the song, the song, you know, really talks about La Veretta, The song on that album was yeah. about staying on your path. It means sidewalk or or it can mean pavement. You know, the translation, and it really means right. about like look out for those who mean ill will and and stick to your path and stay true to who you are. And so that song really kind of spoke to us and that really kind of named the cigar and throughout the whole process of starting and stopping and restarting again. Um, uh, what we came up with was this incredible cigar that Ernie, uh, Ernie helped us with and it turned out to be La Veretta and we're very proud of it. Um, we can't flood the market with it. Uh, there's, there's only so many cigars that are being able to produce every day. It goes into the aging room. Traditionally, we age our cigars after they've been rolled for 30 days, pre-industry standard stuff. This cigar is just an aging room for 90 days. And then Ernie will go in and tell us how many cigars he feels are ready to be released. Um, it's just, it's beautiful. And anyone's ever seen Ernie's aging room, is it's a beautiful room. The tile is gorgeous. It's it's, it's a beautiful um, place for the cigars to rest and age and really allow the tobaccos to marry. It's exciting. Um, this product is exciting. And I will tell you, I think balance is a word that isn't used enough in our industry. Balance between between flavor, bounce between strength, bounce between everything in that, in that kind of what it means to be a cigar. And I think La Varetta is what, that is what La Varetta has become. It's very balanced cigar from the tobaccos that are anywhere between three to five years of age minimum that we're using on this cigar. Again, not traditional for crown heads, but it was something we really wanted to create something that was very special to us and something we could offer to our fans, our supporters, um, kind of the best of the best and really allow us to work with some of Ernie's tobaccos that we haven't been able to tap into in years, years before. And it's exciting. We're very proud of it. Um, so far, the little bit we put out there have been very well received. Um, with all the $100 cigars out there, the $20, $22 price point is not that bad. It seems like there's a new $100 cigar in the market every, every <laughs> year. Um, but, you know, look, we, we've, we kind of play in that 8 to $12 range. We have some limited editions that go up to 15 So 20 isn't a gigantic jump. But I think in the world today that we live in, um, trying to create a great cigar, a great blend, and try to bring it to people at a very reasonable price is something that a lot of, I think, boutique companies really do well with. And uh, very proud of the cigar. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, the rollers that we're using on this are are his rollers that have been with him the longest. And we're allowing them to roll this so many cigars a day. Um, it's been done before. It's just something that we wanted to create a, a very kind of a special, very small production just to see how it goes, see how the production turns out. And it's been very good. And I hope in 2024, we're able to amp up production a little bit to make sure it gets out to more places, but, um, beautiful, beautiful box, beautiful band. And just, uh, as you can tell the foot band on, it says crown head, something that is a little bit different that we've done before. And, uh, we're very proud of it, man. I'm, I'm glad you guys are smoking. And I hope your viewers go out and get a chance to grab one. You want to tell us the Vitolas that they come in? Uh-huh. So we went with very kind of traditional uh, names, you know. So the number 50 is a five and three ace by 50. We had the number 52, which is a five and a half by 52. The number 54 is five and three ace by 54 or five ace by 54. And the number 56 is six and one fourth by 56. 
Now, 50 to 56, that is unique for crown heads as right. well. We don't traditionally do 54, 56 ring gauges. But what happened was, and this is and this is another thing that I love, and any of the cigar makers out there, sometimes you have to let the cigar in the blend speak, dictate. right? Dictate. We are a 46, 48 ring gauge cigar company. Everybody knows that Crown Heads doesn't make 660s or big cigars. It's just not what we've done. That's not what we enjoy. Um, and so we very much stuck to our own path. CYOP, carve your own path. That's what we do. But when you're smoking this, the 46s and 48s, there was something not there that was that was obviously there in the taste from the 50 to 56 ring gauge. So Ernie, you know, came to John and said, listen, sometimes you have to let the tobacco dictate the sizes and what sizes they smoke best in. And John is a 46 guy. He's a 46 ring gauge guy. And the 56 is his favorite size. Um, and so to me, I love the fact that we have a cigar that, you know, we're allowing really allowing the tobacco to choose the sizes. And, and that's where we came out with those sizes. It was literally driven by the tobacco. Yeah. Well, and I got to say that um, it's my first time smoking the cigar. And there's, a, I mean, I'm, I'm drinking some, you know, not like I normally would do for a review, but I'm drinking some, some rum, but there's, there's a lot going on on in my nose and my palate. There's a lot going on. Um, and I'm not going to get deeper into it than that, but it's there. I get stuff from kind of all of those sort of quote unquote flavor profile sections that you normally hear about, you know, and, um, and that to me just, you know, without really digging into the blend right now, um, as I smoke it, uh, just really sort of enjoying it that I can tell that there is a lot of complexity to it. It's a very nice retro hell too. Yeah, the retro hell. It's a nice little sting on the end. Just a you get little get, spice. Yep, you get a nice. Um, so something I also I love about the 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 blend too is that as you guys are smoking it, the John really opened up the book and said, "Listen, this is exactly what we're using." So we have Esteli Lajero. We're using Piloto Cubano from the Dominican. We're using Esteli Seco. We're using Jalapa Viso. Um, you know, some of this is Criollo 98, some of it's Corojo 99. What I love, and as a cigar geek, I love the fact that John really kind of opened up the book and said, look, this is everything that I'm using in this blend. For you guys that are really cigar and tobacco geeks, I want you to understand all the tobacco that we're using in this cigar. And that I love. I love kind of peeling back that curtain or looking behind the curtain and saying, hey, this is what we're using. This is how old the tobacco is. This is the age tobacco that we're using. Um, and I find that exciting as a, as a cigar smoker to be able to share that info with a consumer. Yeah. Well, and Skip Martin, I need tasting notes, he says. <laughs> so I'm not going to go deeply into it. I'll just say I get some spice. I get some. Yep. I get a lot of sweetness. I get some kind of brightness um, that normally people associate with like citrusy sort of things. I'm yep. not saying it tastes like citrus. It's just bright. Um and a um, little bit of funkiness, like, you know, funk, um, which I dig. And there's also a little bit of kind of dryness, like a dry wine, right. you know, not, not right. in a bad way, but just, yeah. you know, a little drying effect on the palate. But mm -hmm. the sweetness helps it. Nougat? Mm, nah. I don't think I get nougat. 
I don't know. I'll have to, I'll, uh, you'll have to wait for the review on how about that cigar. Um, skip. <laughs> I don't well, I'd, I'll definitely say that I, I get this dry aged meat. I get this um, um, like a roasted coffee note, not the taste of coffee, but like when you go down, uh, when you smell like an espresso that just got ground. Um, and then there's this really nice kind of sweetness, kind of brightness to the cigar. Um, when you blow out the smoke, it leaves almost a citrusy kind of uh, lemon peel, if you will, on the palate. Yeah. I don't want to get too, uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that are like tasting, um, you know, fruity pebbles and stuff like that. But I think there are notes that you can pick up that are very <laughs> in your face. Nougat yeah. is not one of them, um, but you do get a little <laughs> bit of a nice sweetness characteristic that I think you get from a nice espresso bean. Um, and I, and I, I really think um, the richness of the cigar is nice. Yeah, cran oh, cranberries from a northern bog, a northern, but it's got to be a northern, northern. Yeah, yeah, southern bogs are just not the same as northern bogs. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely get that dryness. Like, well, I'm drinking a while, but you get that dryness from yeah, from it, yeah. You know? So, um, well, you, you mentioned know, yeah. Go ahead. So, what what is interesting about cigars is you can age, you can fake a lot of things in a cigar. You can fake a Maduro by cooking the wrapper, right? You can mm. fake strength by putting under fermented tobacco. You can fake sweetness by adding sugar or, or um, coffee uh, to the leaves itself. There's a lot of things you can fake in a cigar. One of the hard things to fake is age. And when you smoke aged tobacco, you get this nice, beautiful, dry, aromatic aroma to it that is very hard to fake in the industry. And that's something that I love. And there's nothing better than sitting down with a friend and saying, hey, listen, um, I'm going to give you a cigar that's seven, eight, ten years old. There's yeah. nothing better than giving a friend a cigar that's, that has that kind of age on it. Because any cigar in a shop, you know, it could be a year old, could be six months old when they get it at a cigar store. And when you age a cigar, there is absolutely a uniqueness to it. And that's something that I love about, about La Varetta is it has that aged um, kind of flavor to it. And there's a lot of people that fake the funk in the cigar industry and Ernie is not one of them. Yeah. Well, one of the things you mentioned before was sort of the, um, the, even though, you know, crown heads doesn't have a, a lineage, you know, like there are companies that have been doing this for, you know, you know, 50, 60, you know, years, uh, and crown heads has had a, had a great run and continues to have a great run for what is it now? 12, 12 years. Yeah, 2011 was our first cigar. Yeah. So for the one of the things that's non-traditional again that you already mentioned about Lavaretta is the price point. It it's it goes above and beyond what consumers of Crown Heads have seen in the past. So for you know, from us from a sales standpoint and from a philosophy standpoint, how do you talk to your retailers and your consumers about the you know, the, the worth it, you know, the why for them as, as far as saying, okay, this, this cigar is, is, you know, 15% more, 20% more than our other facings. How do you, how do you convey the why to your retailers and consumers? Well, it's interesting. Retailers, uh, no one flinched at the price. Nobody said anything to me about the price of the trade show. Um, I think when a consumer may who, who let's say a consumer smokes like Karem and he's used to paying nine to $10 a stick and he sees Lavarette and he says, well, why, you know, why? Well, I think there's different ways why cigars are 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred dollars cigars, right? Um, sometimes it's marketing. 
sometimes yeah. it's I'm just going to see if I can get that price. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's, hey, someone put out a $100 cigar, I'm going to put out a $100 cigar. You know what I mean? But when you really um, boil it down to using really aged tobaccos and someone like Ernie has to sit on those tobaccos for two, three, four, five years, I think guys like Christian Irora who own a factory or Skip Martin who owns a factory can tell you how expensive it is, it is to sit on tobacco for that long and not use it. And you're experimenting. You're hoping that the tobacco is going to get better with age and it doesn't always happen. So the investment is, is very expensive, which drives the cost of the tobacco up, right? So, yeah. you know, I always tell people, it's like, you know, if you buy, a, um, a, you know, a bottle of Pappy that was bottled in 1990 and a bottle that was, that was you know, last year, the 1990 is going to be more expensive. That's just the reality. Uh, unfortunately, I think in our industry, there are guys who, you know, say, hey, I, I've got a cigar. It's got a, uh, you know what? Here's a great story. Oliva's, uh, Oliva Cigars, I saw an interview once, I think it was the old man. When he was still alive, it was before they were bought by um, by uh, uh, Jay Cortez. And they asked them in this interview, I think it was Cigar Aficionado, said to them, you know, you're using 10 year old Cameroon wrappers on your cigars. Why aren't you advertising that? And the response was, well, if I tell everyone that I'm using a 10 year wrapper, someone is going to come out and say they're using a 15 year wrapper and they're not. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where you, you, you literally are paying for the age of the tobacco. And look, a $20 cigar isn't going to be in everyone's budget. It's not going to be for everybody. But I think when you look at today's world and you're looking at, hey, listen, you can get a great crown head cigar for 10 bucks. If you want to try something that we put a lot of time, energy and aged tobacco in, it is going to be more expensive, but it's going to be worth the experience in our, in our, in our mind. I think people who trust brands, boutique brands like CLE, uh, Roma Craft, Crown Heads, Espinosa, they they learn to trust what we're doing and that we're not faking the funk or making up stories. I think people appreciate that and consumers uh, respond very well to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I do think that sometimes pricier cigars get this luxury tag tag to it, but it's not really about luxury. It's about experience. And if you're going to put out a cigar with that price point, it has to be special. And so for us, we think that we hit the nail on the head. I think that yeah. consumers have been very responsive to that. And I will tell you, not one retailer has said anything about the price. In fact, I think a lot of retailers say, hey, man, I know, I know, Ernesto, I know you guys. I'll be very proud to sell this $20 cigar and, and be able to look at my consumers, you know, with a straight face and say, hey, this is worth every every dollar you're going to spend on it. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I think when you get to play around with things and you get to work with with this kind of tobacco, um, it, 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 it dictates the price. You know what I mean? And that was something yeah. that we were very nervous about in the beginning. But as we worked through the process and Ernie says, listen people would kill for this five-year-old, this four-year-old, this three-year-old tobacco because no one's using this. Everybody's using tobacco that was in the ground a year ago. Um, and you learn to really respect the tobacco and, and let the tobacco do the speaking on the Vitolas, on the blend, and ultimately the price point of the cigar. Um, and so far, it's been very good. This cigar is getting better as I smoke it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's opening up a lot. This, yeah. I mean, it's the complexity I, just keeps kind of going up. I, not to get not to get too poetic, but it's like opening a bottle of wine when you first open it and you get the taste and the flavors are up front and you really enjoy it. And then as you smoke through the cigar, it really kind of opens up like a bottle of wine does when you've let it sit in the decanter for a little while. It's really nice. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned um, just now was kind of talking about, you know, when people choose, they'll, they'll select a, a certain 
you know, group of bales and say, we're going to set these aside. We're going to age these. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, they'll try them, you know, I assume they try them periodically, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take a leaf and try it every six months or so just to see how it's progressing or something like that. And there's a, there's sort of an inherent risk that comes along with that, because like you said, you can age a bale for, um, a certain period of time and realize once it gets to a certain point that we maybe went a little longer than we should have. Maybe, maybe this, the tobacco has fallen a little past where we wanted it to be. So, and I'm sure that that has a factor in the cost I would imagine as well, because then if it's a tobacco that you had in mind for a specific project, maybe, and then you realize, Oh, we let this go a little past where we should have age wise. Now we need to take that tobacco and use it in in a different project. uh, And, and then, you know, bring some other bales maybe into place that, that uh, have been aging six months less or one year less I would imagine, Miguel, that that has to play a little bit of a factor is is you do take a risk with this raw material when you age it that it may not end up where you were hoping it would. You might have missed oh, a peak. Yeah. 100%, you know, and, and it's funny. I've known Ernie for many years now, and I've only spent time in Ernie's factory, and there's obviously tobacco there, and there's an aging warehouse in that factory as well. But he took us to another building where he has – stacks of stacks of aged tobacco and some of them are year old some are you know five or six seven years old and you do run that risk but what's great about working with great cigar makers uh is that that's what they do you know ernie is ernie you know lives in miami but he's at the factory constantly um and and he'll go up and down i mean it's really funny actually to watch because he'll open all these bales up and he grabs a leaf out and he's lighting it and smoking it and rolling a little you know burrito and and trying it out and you could see all the guys behind him re-sewing up the bales you know what i mean and he's going bale by bale by barrel uh bale um but ernie is constantly checking and going through it and that's something that we would never tell anybody and that's what i love about crown heads and john huber john says i'm not a master blender I'm not a master blender. I've been in the business since the early nineties. I'm not, a, I, I, um, uh, validate blends that I want. And so we'll go to Ernie and say, this is what we're looking for. Ernie will put it together and then we'll say, can we add this? Can we take this out? We validate blends. We have, we're not master blenders. And when you allow, and you work with somebody like the Garcia's or you work with someone like Ernie, they have such an intimate knowledge of their tobacco that they have in their warehouse, every single leaf, every tobacco, um, um, a bale that they have they know and they're constantly going through and they'll say hey listen i've got something special and that's what happened in this case with john was he said scratch it i've got some tobacco that i really really want you to see if you want to utilize in a blend and so that's what happened with this is is the tobacco ernie felt was ready to go and wanted to work with it and said man it's got the age it's got all the pedigree i want to use this tobacco and i think it'd be something special for you guys to have and that's something that not a lot of cigar makers would do right um, but because of that relationship we have with Ernie, he's allowed us to do that. And you absolutely, I mean, you know, not to get into the um, vintage uh, Cuban cigar market, but I remember a guy who I'm friends with, he lives overseas and he's really into vintage cigars. And he said, oh man, you know, I talked to him once in a while. He said, man, I'm getting rid of all my Dom Perignon Davidoffs that were made in Cuba. He said, they're past their 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 stage. Now that's his opinion, not everybody's opinion, but 
cigars, much like tobacco, can go a little over from where they probably should be and they should be smoked, right? Not every blend ages great for five years. Not every blend goes great 20 years or 30 years. Yeah. And so um, that's something that you have to work with great cigar makers. And I think that's why great cigar makers like Ernie and, uh, God, you, you can name a million of them, Fuente, Padron, they have such a great intimate knowledge of tobacco and the aging and how these tobaccos um do over time the truth is you allow the experts to kind of drive the car and take you to the destination and that's really what we did with uh with this product well uh and i i love that miguel i really appreciate that explanation because uh it helps us understand you know us cigar nerds we we love to dig into the sort of the minutia of tobacco and it really uh helps gives give us a greater appreciation for it but one of the other products that that uh is um is new right now is the 2023 iteration of Las Calaveras. Uh, I know that's uh, hitting store shelves now. And talk to us about uh, this year's Las Calaveras release. Well, you know, what's interesting about Las Cal is that we're big fans of Broadleaf and everybody knows there was a major Broadleaf shortage in the industry. It hit everybody, our good friends, Rocky Patel, um, it hit the Garcias. And, and you know, that's where you saw a lot of uh, Mexican uh, rap cigars that were coming out over the last couple of years, because if you wanted a dark wrapper, um, even though San Andreas has really gone up in price per pound, um, it was still readily available compared to uh, Broadleaf, right? And so with us, Lake Carême, which is a broadleaf that Ernie makes for us, uh, was off the market for two whole years. Um, and and what I loved about Mike and John was we got all these offers. Hey, there's a broadleaf being grown in Pennsylvania. There's a broadleaf being grown in Nicaragua. And instead of saying, yeah, let's use that, get the sales, and we'll go back to Connecticut broadleaf when we can, they said, no, I'd rather take the cigar off the market than to sell it as something that it, it really isn't. You know what I mean? And fake the funk, as they would say. And so... <laughs> that's what happened. And then for the Garcias, there was no broadleaf. I mean, you know, our, our Tennessee Waltz or yellow Rosa, Texas, those two cigars, though they were off the market for two and a half years because we didn't have any broadleaf. So when they came to us last year and said, Hey, we have some broadleaf. We asked, we said, we'd love to use broadleaf again on Las Calaveras. Cause it's been 2016 since the last time we used broadleaf on Las Cal. And we got to use the broadleaf. The orange band really pops off that beautiful, dark oily broadleaf wrapper. And uh, Nicaraguan filler binder came out with three core sizes. Again, allowing the tobacco to speak. We did not do a 46 this year because the blend itself didn't lend itself to a smaller ring gauge. Um, and so we we created this cigar that that um, we're very proud of. The Garcias do a lot with us when it comes to Las Cal. It's a big deal to them. They always want it to be well received. And I think it's been it's been incredible. And this year's blend, I think, really hit a lot of palates. I've got more praise on this year's blend than probably the last two or three years. And last year I think was my favorite blend of all time. So it's exciting. And Las Calas out there, the feedback is awesome. And I'm happy that we're using Broadleaf again. And I'm happy to see that there's a little bit more Broadleaf. You know, we've launched Lake Carem out of the Noxa factory in Nicaragua with Gus Gura and, and Raul Bizla. Um, so we've been, we really love Broadleaf. I mean, a lot of people love, I mean, Nick Melillo loves Broadleaf, hmm. um, Skip and all those guys. We all love Broadleaf. And to be able to get your hands on really good quality Broadleaf through the Garcias or through Ernie or through um, through Noxa, it's been a blessing for us. And again, yeah. we are... We, are, we don't own a factory. We get to work with our friends that own these incredible factories and have these incredible stocks of tobacco. We feel very absolutely blessed to do so. And when consumers respond very positively to these blends, it really makes makes our day. You know, I've spent 20, 21 years in this business, and it's exciting when someone comes up to you 
and says, oh, my God, I smoked this year's Lost Cow. I absolutely loved it. You know, my, my aunt died. I smoked one in honor of her or whatever it is. Um, at the end of the day, man, cigars have a way of bringing people together. And although we get geeky and talk about it, at the end of the day, it's a great experience. We smoke yeah. cigars because we love it. We smoke cigars because we enjoy the culture. We enjoy the relaxation. And if you can add a little bit of relaxation to a person's life, that ultimately is is really um, it's a great feeling. Yeah. One of our uh, viewers asks, is uh, the Buckeye coming back? Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. So the Buckeye was made for us by Willie Herrera at, um, at Drew Estate. And I think right now, as far as I would love to bring Buckeye back, I think it will eventually come back. But um, I think, as everybody knows, that the production of cigars have gone to the roof lately. And so when our good friends at DE have room or whatever it may be, wherever that blend goes in the future, um, I'm excited to get that cigar back, too. Everyone knows I'm from Ohio. Uh, John Huber's wife is from Columbus. Our CFO, Adam Shepard, he went to Miami of, uh, of Ohio. There's a lot. Uh, Mike Connor, the other owner of Crown Heads, lived in Cincinnati for a lot of years. So we all have this great connection to Ohio. So nothing would make me happier to bring back um, Buckeye Land. Out of those three, which is your favorite? Oh, Mine's a rose. So Tennessee Waltz is the right size for me, the right, just everything. Tennessee Waltz and Yellow Rose, a lot of people think they're two different blends, and they're not. No, they're not. they're yeah. two vastly different sizes that really produce a very different experience, but I will take Tennessee Waltz hands down all the time. Although there's been a few Paniolos that we do for our field wine in Hawaii that would rival that, but that blend changes every year. Yeah. But as far as consistency goes, Tennessee Waltz is, is a beautiful cigar. You know, I got a box of that. I should have run that tonight. Tennessee Waltz is on my... Uh, it's it's on my list of of the best cigars that I've ever smoked in my life. The, Thank the you. rose has a, a spot in my heart because my daughter's down there. Yeah, so it has that oh. connection. You know how sometimes this, you yeah. smoke oh, yeah. it just connects totally. Oh, 100 percent, man. But that first, like you said, the Paniolo changes every year. That that OG Paniolo was yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it was, uh, and you know, I, I've smoked some of the, I haven't smoked all of the iterations, but I've smoked some of them. That first one was just mind boggling. I think the Garcias did that first one. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of neat, man. Look, I, I, I've been in the business. I work in the business, but at the, at the end of the day, I'm a cigar nerd and cigar geek like anybody else. So I geek out about this stuff as well. And those Paniolos, man, they're fantastic. They're really cool. We've worked with the Garcias. We've worked with EPC. We've worked with the Radio Pichardo. We've all given different factories a shot at it. I think one year Willie even did the blend. I mean, it's 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 just a fun project we get to do for Hawaii. It's always a thinner ring gauge, so it's up my alley. And um, at the end, at the end of the day, man, it's just like great cigars give you great experiences, which which you'll always remember. You know what I mean? And I mean, I can mark points in my life with certain cigars and either career, personal life, my kids being born or whatever it is. Um, you can mark points in your life with cigars. And I, and I and when you've been smoking for a long time, that it just adds to the experience in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember in 1998 um, going into uh, the party source and buying a a CAO Lenevisar Maduro. And for about six months there, it was made by Doug Perringer, Doug Douglas in Costa Rica. And I remember that cigar. I remember driving, you know, with that box in my lap and opening up and lighting as I was driving. There's all these great memories you have in your mind. And uh, it's exciting, man. Yeah.
So in addition to, you know, we love talking about the new stuff, but you know, there's also the brands that made us take notice of crown heads over the last 12 years. So talk to us about the core lines. How are they performing? And, you know, for those people out there who that's just their love, when they go into their shops, they're looking for those crown heads core lines. Tell us how those are performing out there. Well, you know, I, I think uh, over the years uh, you create great cigars. Some hit, some don't. Some hit their mark. Some, you know, uh, it's so, you know, we, like anyone else, we've had a few cigars that just really never took off. And Las Moreas is a cigar that the Garcias made for us. It was a Nicaraguan Puro. Um, that one, you know, never really took off. But when people talk about core and you have a core line that really connects with people, any cigar maker will tell you that's more important than any LE or limited edition or anything fun you could do when you have a core line that Matt with, which connects with people and, you know, people say what you want about Macanudo, but Macanudo connected with a lot of people. Romy Julieta from Altidus is connected with a lot of people and no cigars speak to you in generational. And so with us, when it comes to our original four kicks that I'm smoking tonight continues to be a, a, a blockbuster for us, Le Carême, um, Lampiriosa, Jericho Hill, and recently Mil Diaz and Juarez. Uh, those are blends that have really connected with people, and they're they're always available at your retail shelf in great vitolas, great sizes, and and so those blends mean a lot to us. Now during the pandemic, we put a few blends that were slower selling on hiatus. So Headley Grange, J.D. Howard. Um, uh, you know, there's probably, probably another one or two in there that I'm forgetting, but, um, since then, since the pandemic to now, I think the, the, the butter of our business, Juarez, Mil Diaz, the original four kicks, including, uh, La Imperiosa, those seem to be the core lines that connect with consumers, either them being big fans of crown heads or just being fans of cigar smoking in general. And those are truly, I think anyone can make an LE and sell it. Yeah. I, I, but when you make a core line that really connects with people, that's what's special. When I worked at CAO, my first seven years in his business, CAO Gold and CAO Brasilia represented like 50% of our business. And then we had 12 other lines that represented the other 50% of our business. And so to find a workhorse, to find a blend and a brand that really connects with people, that is very, very, very special. And when you do that, it is, that's more of a feather in your cap than any LE you can put out. And, yeah. um, I, I always say it, but uh, you know, I say at the end of the day, at the end of the, at the end of the day, you'd be judged on what you put out consistently, opposed to what you can put out in a short term. And so, when someone I meet at an event says, "Man, I smoked four kicks religiously for the last 11, 12 years," that warms your heart more than anything. Yeah. What uh, what do you have coming out in the next year? What's <laughs> what's your next steps? Uh, well, you know? well, look, I this mm -hmm. year, this year we still have. Uh, line extension in Mil Diaz. So I have a size coming out called Topes that I got to work on with John. The Topes, I was in Canada a few years ago and someone handed me a Trinidad Topes, Cuban Trinidad Topes. And it was a 56 ring gauge. And I'm like, I don't smoke this big a ring gauge. And someone says, Miguel, just smoke it. This cigar in this ring gauge is right. And I smoked it and fell in love with it. And I went back to John and John said, man, I love that size too. And so we, he went and tried all of our cigars in this 56 by four and seven eighths ring gauge with a pigtail and all this kind of stuff and found that Mil Diaz really translated incredible and that's Vitola. So that's still yet to come out. Um, we also have our PCA exclusive uh, Lavaretta and a number two torpedo to come out as well. Uh, limited edition size. Uh, but as far as next year goes, we do have a new line that we're going to launch at PCA in March more to come on that later. Um, and obviously we, we're looking forward. We're working on Las Calaveras for next year already. We're working on, 
uh, another limited edition for Lake Karem. Hopefully we'll bring back the Bellicoso Fino, which is a huge fan favorite mm-hmm. out there. Oh, yeah. um, but we're always working on things. What I, what I love about John or any of these guys that are cigar makers, they're always working on 10, 12 different new cigars, and maybe only one will actually reach the actual market. And that to me is the fun because when John really gets something nailed down and say, okay, I want to run with this. This is something that's really special for me. And those kind of things uh, we're working on already for next year. I got one other question. Who in the business that you want, what factory would you like to work with next that you haven't worked with yet? Oh, that's a great Anybody question. sticking out Ooh. there to like, there's got some good stuff coming out. I can't wait to work with them. Great question. Oh man. I, I will tell you that. There are so many factories in this business that people don't even know the names of, right? There's so many factories in the Dominican. There's so many cigars in Nicaragua that make great cigars, either under contract for other people that you'll never know are making cigars because it's by way of another factory, whatever. But sometimes you meet these great factories. I mean, American Caribbean down in Nicaragua, I love. We worked with them a lot when I was at Tarano. Um, obviously I have so much love for Skip and Michael Rosales. I love everything they do. I think they make one of the best Connecticut's in the business with that intemperance. Um, I, I love, I love the stuff that Caldwell gets made out of Dominican, um, by Ventura, you know, you know there, there's all these factories, but the truth is, the truth is, is that that's ultimately John's decision. And we're always getting blends sent to us by different factories. And just to give you a little insight, 12 years ago, John had toyed around with working or launching our first cigar with Noxa, Nicaraguan American Cigars SA. Skip, um, not Skip, uh, Saka uses that factory as well. And now our new Lipitissier comes out of there. Well, at the time, we wind up choosing to work with Ernesto because of the relationship that we had. And so fast forward, you know, 10, 11 years later, we put out a cigar with Noxa. So we could be smoking a cigar today, samples today, and that factory we could work with in five or six or seven years. So, you know, there's always stuff that we're getting sent from factories to smoke, and who knows where that's going to go. Um, but I'm excited myself to be a part of that process and to work with these factories and see what's new. Because every factory has a different way of fermenting, aging, blending different ways of even rolling or when they feel, uh, you know, either it be the accordion or the tube and tubar or any way you work with all these factories. And it's like working with different chefs. They may have a different way of prepping the, the, the ultimately the dish that they serve. And it could be the same ingredients, but the way they, they present it is very different. And I love to use Lake Carême and Le Petitier. Those are two broadleaf cigars and very much are yin and yang. And yet they're broadleaf, you know, translated Le Carême is translated through Ernie's palette and um, Le Petitier is translated through Gus Gouda's palette. And so it's kind of nice to work with all these different factories. It's really neat. Uh, very hard to make a sampler uh, because you're working <laughs> with so many factories. So as a sales guy, right. But it is exciting to work with different chefs, uh, you know, if you will, and, yeah. and really kind of let them kind of drive the train and see where it goes. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. You named a lot of countries, but you didn't name Honduras. Mm. Anybody there that you're looking to work with? Well, anyone who knows me knows that one of my favorite cigar makers is Christian Irora and Tom Lazuka and Asylum and CLE is all out of Honduras. I think that would be exciting. I absolutely love those guys. I think Christian is, is just an exciting uh, cigar maker, cigar blender. Tom Lazuka is one of the, one of the most realist guys in this business. 
And if we ever went to Honduras, that's something I would absolutely love to see because I love those guys so much. This industry is so much a relationship business. Sometimes it's hard to take relationships out of it. But when you love and respect people so much, you, you'd love to have something made by them coming out of their house, if you will. And I would love nothing more than to, to do something like that. Now, what's funny is in my, in my all my years of being in this business, I've not smoked a lot of Honduran tobacco. And I remember I was with Ernie in January and Ernie was having me smoke some of this tobacco that he has from the Hamastron that he's, he's toying around playing with. Because even him, he's not used a lot of Honduran tobacco in his career. And he's been in it since birth, right? Um, and man, some of that tobacco is a powerhouse, man. And anyone who knows me knows that I like medium-bodied cigars. So we'd have to find a good good balance for, uh, for a Honduran cigar because some of that stuff is boss of the wall, man. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Sorry, so, I'll, I'll stop hogging up the mic. No, you can, you no, can speak hey. now. But, but I mean, I think, <laughs> I think it's time. Is it? Is it time? It is. It's absolutely time. All right, guys. It is now time for this week's Numero, Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. I'm Steve here with the joke to tell you about Smokin's Cigar of the Month Club. Every month, I personally handpick five premium cigars. Another great feature is our Double Down Club. With a simple check mark, you can get double this great selections every month and save $10. Every month, there's a special discount code where if you like any of the selections, you can get them at a special discounted rate for our Cigar of the Month Club members. We've made it super simple. All you gotta do is log into your account. There's a little green button there. If it's green, you're active. You wanna take a break going out of town? Simply hit the button and you'll deactivate your membership. We get the stuff out on the 28th of every month. Our membership bills on the 28th and we get every member's package out on the 28th if it's a shipping day. All delivered to your door for $34.95. Five great reasons on what makes Smoking Cigar of the Month Club the best club out there. Check it out. Peace. Episode 212, Numero de los Muertos. And I got to throw this in before we do Numero. Uh, Miguel Montanez has a question. Who's your favorite rep? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> my favorite broker is Miguel Montanez. <laughs> Montañez, uh, we we use a lot of in-house guys. We're an in-house cigar company. We have two brokers, one in Hawaii and Miguel Montañez in New York City. Anyone who knows Miguel, he is a a he is a, a a force of nature in this business. I enjoy traveling, Miguel. He's our broker. I always say we go in-house everywhere except for New York City. Miguel is top of the notch, and um, you know <laughs> he loves good food, loves good cigars, and he. He has some special cigars in his house humidor that he allows me to kind of get into once in a while. Uh, he's a wonderful guy and, and love him very much. And he's from the Chelsea Projects in Manhattan. I think that's how they say it. <laughs> Manhattan. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he's a good dude, man. Nice. I got to meet him at PCA. Uh, I picked his brain yeah. a little bit. I saw that. Day. I saw that question from Miguel. I was like, I got to I got to throw that out there. Absolutely. You know, he's one of those guys. You'll so you'll see like four or five shops and you'll go, OK, you take me back to the hotel. And he goes, no, we got four or five more to go. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. All right. So I'm going to do similar to what I did last week on Numero de los Muertos. The number is one. What? yeah the number no. as as far as i'm aware that i mean there may have been more but this is the one that's uh 
that uh, received a, a little bit of publicity. So the number is one. This was in North America, Uno. in the United States, that one person was killed by this cause. Was it on land? Yes. <laughs> Did it have anything oh. to do with butt beats? <laughs> You're not gonna let them win die. You're gonna, I'm gonna get it was that not, one. No, it was not anal beads. All right. What about death by OnlyFans? Ooh. Ooh. No, not. Well, no, that, could, not that could happen. Like a husband subscribed and his wife sees well, him. Yeah, that, that, kills him. yeah <laughs> I could. could I could see that. Yeah, she saw the bill for his OnlyFans subscription and and she beat him over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> Does it involve a horse? Uh, horses are not involved. Any animals? Animals are not involved. And I know you said it was on land, but could it have been in a pool? No. Okay. Okay. So I'll say it's so I what you notice when you said, is it on land? I It took me a long time to answer. Mm -hmm. So that should be a hint that it's a mixture of land and mountains air. Oh, died in a clothes dryer. Oh, no, not died in a clothes dryer. What a way to go. Killed yeah. by a bird. No. Hmm. There was a little hesitation there. Well, he said no animals. Yeah, no animals. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean no, it's animal. all good. It's all good. And a bird is an animal. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah, it is right. or it's not. I sell cigars for a living, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, uh, we'll call this a recreational activity. Oh, okay. Skydiving, not skydiving. Is it sex? Somebody not, busted a nut and it no, cacked. Nothing sexual or intimate intimacy related. Bungee jumping. I'm done. Not bungee jumping. How about the uh, highline things? Oh, zip lines. Zip lines. No zip lines. Air does, and land it, are both involved. Does does it involve some kind of um, plane or flying apparatus? Yes, it does. Mm. Fell out of a tree. S skydiving. Somebody died from skydiving. No. No. Plane or other type of apparatus. Is it a Ferris wheel? No. Okay. Wings, but a wingsuit? Not a wingsuit. Roller coaster. But remember, the death took place on land, not a roller coaster. They oh. flew out of it. Not a hot air balloon. Killed, killed by a drone. You're close. Ooh. You're close. You're very close. Killed by a kite. Came down and stuck him in the head. So, not a, not a kite. So, think of the older generation version of a drone, Miguel. Uh, remote controlled uh, airplane? Yes. They yes. crashed it into somebody. Yeah. So, Roger Wallace was killed by his own remote-controlled plane. Oh, my wow. God. How big, <laughs> how big it was? I don't know. I don't know. But How do you die from your own remote He steered it right plane? into his own head, probably. And a propeller went right yeah, through his eyeball into his brain. Yeah, because some of those, I mean, if yeah. you've seen some of those model airplanes, they they're can, huge. Massive. Yeah. And, I mean, they can be little tiny ones, or they can get up to like three, four, five feet across. Uh, you know, yeah. when you sometimes in, in a hotel and you start getting into that YouTube and you start falling down these holes. Oh, and yeah. I've seen a few videos of people landing these these planes, these these remote control planes. They look dangerous as hell, man. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, 
I could see how one could really do you in, you know what I mean? So, so what I would say is all you viewers don't fly airplanes, smoke cigars, keep two feet on the ground and, yes. and, and stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. Cigar smoking is much safer than flying, than flying model airplanes, mm -hmm. much safer. Apparently, mm -hmm. how about this cars already? Uh, we are, we are the weird YouTube. end of YouTube. Yeah. We are definitely the weird <laughs> end of and, Thanks, proud, and proud to be so. Proud well, to be so. I don't think I nailed it, but I got damn close. You were that. That was yeah. You. Uh, that's that's why I was like, you've got it, but I got to lead you to like the specific right answer. So this, you know, this is like uh, uh, playing um, playing uh, cornhole, and I don't get it in the hole, but I got it on the board. You know, <laughs> there you mean? go. That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, so that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. All right, so let's jump into the lightning round brought to us by J.C. Newman Cigar Company. They operate out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. They are creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American for more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. All right, Miguel, you've been on the show a few times, so yes. I've got some what I believe for you are fresh new lightning round questions. Um, what is the technology innovation that's had the biggest impact on your life? I'm sure that, uh, okay, so anyone who knows me knows I'm a horrible driver. Um, okay. I, you know, look, I've spent years driving, traveling in this industry, but uh, my wife, my friends, anyone who knows me will tell you I'm one of the worst drivers that they've ever met. And um, I think the backup camera, the, the thing in the car that tells you to stay within the lines, all of that has probably extended my life quite a bit. And so... So that has been a tremendous technology that has really had a huge effect on me. And the cars beeps at me when I'm drifting a little bit. And uh, that has done a huge part of my life. That's way better than Skip Martin's answer mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, right there. Yeah, that's way better. <laughs> hey, Skip, I'm not mad at you, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, you can't yeah. hate that answer. I mean, Next time you have Skip on the show, you're going to have to ask him to elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe not too much. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No demonstrations, just verbal, <laughs> verbal, expand on it verbally, please. Um, <laughs> all right. So if you were suddenly a billionaire, mm -hmm. what would be the one Billion. unnecessary thing that you would spend money on? I would buy myself into the Cincinnati Reds um, ownership group. And I would give it a good five, six year run of me running that organization to see if I could get a ring. Uh, that is probably the one thing as such a little kid to this day at 43 years of age, I've always dreamt about having a World Series ring. And um, I have replicas of all the Reds rings in my office. But that is one of those things in your life, you know, that, that you always have these goals that are kind of out there. But if I had a billion dollars, I'd go out buying ownership, probably spend half of that billion buying the ownership and try to run that organization for five or six years to see yes. if I could do anything. And they'd probably run me out of town if I didn't, but that's what I would do <laughs> that. I mean, my wife knows it. My friends know it. That's exactly what would happen. I love it. 
Skip would buy a helicopter. I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I'm with, I'm with Abe Dababna from Smoke In. I think helicopters are death traps. You know, I, I got to tell you, uh, I, again, I just saw a thing probably about a year ago. I was reading about helicopters. They are dangerous as hell, man. Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> they are not at like, I'm not getting in a helicopter. Like people are like, oh, go to Vegas early. Take that helicopter. I don't nah, want to, I, nah. I don't even want to get in a helicopter. Yeah. Well, driving in Nicaragua. Yeah. That's, that's no picnic either. I, Listen, on that Pan American yeah. highway in my life, I've been in some very close calls <laughs> and Skip has done it a hell of a lot more than I have. So if you just multiply that, I understand where you're coming from, brother. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Miguel, if you could have an unlimited supply of anything, now you cannot say cigars, time, or money. So it's not anything. Okay. If you can have a limited supply of anything other than those three things, an unlimited supply for the rest of your life, what would it be? There's two part. One, I want to say time with my wife if she's watching. <laughs> Well played, well played. But you can't say, but you can't say time. So you got to say yeah, something. Yeah, else. yeah. Um, so it would probably be unlimited amount of of great rum. Great, great rum. rum. I I am a fanatic, a rum collector, a rum fanatic. I love everything from drinking it neat to having rum cocktails, and I think an endless amount of great rum would be would be awesome the rest of my life i'd never have to buy another bottle they just appear in my cabinet um that would be great or coke zero coke zero is my addiction oh, yeah. in life i yeah. have a serious problem um we could probably do like a 12-step program for me on coke zero um i have it here and uh, i can't get enough of this stuff coke has yeah. me locked in i am a fan of coca-cola same same i thought you were going to say baseball tickets Mm, oh man well yeah. you know what the thing is i live in south florida yeah and i do love watching games but if i lived in cincinnati i think uh uh, uh diamond seat right behind home plate uh unlimited there if i lived there that'd be fantastic it would get pretty expensive if i'd have to fly back for all the games yeah so rum let's hit rum real quick i've been telling yeah. all you guys yeah rum is what cigars were made to be drinking with drunken with a drink whatever the hell you with, want to say smoke with smoke with, there yeah. we go yeah that and coffee it's only americans that wanted to push it to the bourbon what grows together goes, goes together yep. well look i mean to get a little into it um i'm a rum uh, i consider myself an unofficial rum ambassador and i would say this i rum has been paired up with cigars longer than any other spirit rum comes a lot of the sugar cane comes from the same places that rum comes i mean that, that tobacco comes from right yeah. sometimes when you have a field of tobacco and it's a very windy valley they'll grow sugar cane around the tobacco farm to help break that wind from breaking the leaves um at the bottom of these mountains a lot of times you go up they're growing coffee too so rum and coffee pair up great with cigars they grow together they go together but if i took you to cuba if I took it to Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, the majority of the people that grow your tobacco or uh, work in the factories, any of that nature, they're not drinking bourbon and scotches. They're drinking rum and yeah. sugar. You know, we always tell people that if you get a little woozy from a cigar, get a sugar cube or something and that'll help you kind of. Well, you see these old guys playing dominoes, the old Cuban guys playing dominoes, chain smoking cigars for eight, nine hours. And you go, how the hell do they not get sick? Well, they're drinking rum. And they're drinking great rum, and they're and that sweetness from that rum 
kind of fights off some of that tobacco drunkness that we that we we call it. And um, rum is there are unfortunately people have bad experiences in college with with uh, the captain or with Bacardi. But yeah, the truth yeah. is is that there are so many incredible rums in the world that pair up so incredibly well with cigars. Bourbon is great, scotch is great, cognacs are great. But I think yeah. that if you smoke cigars, having a great deep appreciation for rum and rum culture go hand in hand. If you're in the Dominican and you're able to go see some factories there and go to a few rum factories, uh, it'll really open your eyes up to why rum goes so well um, with cigars. And a lot of people don't even realize, but the barrels that they use in Kentucky for bourbon, um, by law, they can only be used once. Uh, that's right. the that's the rule, and right, and all those barrels, the majority of them end up in Central America and the Caribbean, holding rum. Um, rum is just absolutely, in my opinion, and I think you know, I know Skip's on here tonight. Um, rum is is um, yeah, you don't get a better drink, and and during the colonial period of the United States, rum was the most popular spirit that was drank in the colonial times in in the United States, and rum yeah. sugarcane. The by, byproduct of, of rum and molasses um, is really really what built up the Caribbean that we know today and populated the islands and really created a robust economy for those countries um, was the was the rum industry. And so I have a great love and affection for rum, great love and affection for where the, the rum comes from. And I think if you love cigars, you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting acquainted with this incredible spirit. Yeah, I agree. And I got I want to. I want to kindly challenge one of our viewer comments, a couple of our viewer comments. So David Floyd said rum is cheap. So rum, like any other distilled spirit, you can find cheap, shitty rum, mm -hmm. and you can find fantastic craft-made, small-batch, long-aged rum that is uh, will challenge any of the best scotches and bourbons on the planet, in my opinion. And I always remind people that you got to remember where rum is coming from. It comes yeah. from the third world. Yeah. And so if they made rum in in Scotland or they made, you know, I mean, it's going to be more expensive. So it comes from a third world. Right. And it's lesser expensive to produce there. So you can't judge it by the price. But there are bottles that are one hundred fifty thousand fifteen hundred dollar bottles of rum. Yeah. Um and rum is actually the fastest growing spirit right now in the spirit world because people are starting to discover rum and well-aged rums. Um, and really, when you think about the culture, the history of rum, you can tell the entire history totally. of Latin America. You can tell the history of the Caribbean through sugarcane and rum. And um, it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful culture to get into and to understand where rum comes from and, and why it's so important to history and to culture and really – um, why the Caribbean is what it is today is because of rum, sugarcane. That's it. I'm selling but, all my bourbons for rum. <laughs> yeah. it all over. I, and, I, and you don't even drink. Yeah. So I would I would say to that gentleman, um, try some rum agricole. Rum yes. agricole only represents about one percent. Rum industrial is rum made by molasses, which is a byproduct of sugar, yeah. sugarcane. But rum agricole is made from pure sugarcane juice. And I noticed uh, in Ohio and a couple of my friends, they got into rum by way of rum agricole, which is from Guadeloupe. There's some from Haiti and mostly the French speaking Caribbean islands. Yeah. Um, and that's what really got them in the rum. Uh, someone I just saw put Foursquare. Foursquare is a dynamite rum. Mm -hmm. And um, man, I mean, what's better than sitting back with a cigar from Nicaragua and drinking a rum that was produced in Nicaragua? I mean, you talk about just two things that are match made in heaven, and that's yeah. that's what it's about. 
And so I, I promote cigars, but I also promote rum. Yeah. Well, and David's, David also said uh, Florida Kanye 18 has become a staple for him. For And I, I, I agree. I love 18. For me, just because it's a little less expensive and super accessible, even up here in Minnesota, Florida Kanye 12. 12. Incredible. I mean, it's a $30 bottle. I, th I think it's $30, $30 bottle up 30 here. 30 to 50, depending on where you're at. Yep. And, and it's just, it's, it's good in cocktails. It's good neat. Uh, and I love it. And, and I gotta go back here to find. So Brody, thank you very much, Brody, for watching. You said rum is nature's high noon. I love that. I love that. I, I Brody, I, let's raise a toast to Brody. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Brody, raise a I toast mean, to you. Depending on what you mean by that, Brody, I'm I'm either I either completely agree with you or I completely disagree with you. Depending on what you mean by that, it comment. sounds like a compliment. I'm going with it as a compliment. Yeah. Well, High Noon is a is a popular brand of of uh, uh, hard seltzer products. Mm. So I'm not entirely sure if that's what Brody means. I heard that was the best. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I I'm not big on seltzers. I have them a few times. But yeah, Brody says I love rum. So yeah, we're on the same page, Brody. It's all good. Uh, all right, let's jump into this week's Notable Smokables. Uh, notable Smokables brought to us by Luciano Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. All right, so each week we name a cigar on the show that we smoked recently that was notable to us. This could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we smoked for the first time in a very long time or... It could be a cigar that's brand new to the market that we smoked for the first time ever. Now, Miguel, obviously you're smoking a lot of crown head stuff and that's to be understood, but we know every once in a while you get to jump outside of your portfolio and smoke something uh, just as a fan of cigars. So what's something you smoked recently that was notable to you? I have a soft spot in my heart for Connecticut's. Um, I, I came up in the cigar world in the mid to late nineties where Connecticut's were king. And before full-bodied cigars or dark cigars really kind of came into vogue in 2001, 2002. And so I have this very soft spot on my heart for Connecticut's. And um, I've smoked a few of the knuckle sandwiches and really enjoyed them from Espinosa. But recently I smoked the knuckle sandwich Connecticut. Mm. And I was blown away about how incredible that cigar is. It had all the creaminess and the richness that you want from a, from a Connecticut. But it still had this medium-bodied um, um, characteristic that I really enjoyed and it really kind of left you wanting more. And so that was a cigar that is made. I don't know who's making that cigar, if that's Espinosa's factory or AJ's factory, either one that's doing it. It's an incredible, incredible cigar. And I really found myself loving that cigar. And any of us that have been in the business for a long time know that celebrity cigars, um, I mean, all the way from the nineties, you can go back to, to Belushi, you know, you can go to Chuck Norris. You can go to all these celebrities that have tried to create cigars, basketball players and, and boxers and stuff, and they all fall flat on their face. That's one cigar made by a celebrity by, with a great cigar maker that I think is, is, is really surpassed what people thought of a celebrity cigar and has turned out to be an incredible smoke and absolutely loved it. Nice. Uh, Raul, well, what was a notable for you this week? I'm not kissing uh crown heads ass but <laughs> some of you guys know how i feel about uh pca la Petitier. oh yes and yes. i might have smoked four or five boxes but i haven't smoked any in about a month and a half two months and the other day i had another one and i, 
I just love that cigar. Yeah, the OG. Thanks. Perfect, love perfect Vitola for me. Yeah, just hits Beautiful. the spot. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Nice, Justin. Did you have a notable this week? Uh, yeah, this week had the uh, Room One Hundred One Farce Nicaragua. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right on. It's a good one. First time I had that one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my notable this week. Um, we were very. Uh, you know, blessed to be able to talk to Nick Perdomo at the trade show. Uh, and they're celebrating 30, 30 years in the business. And uh, the Perdomo 30th anniversary sun grown in the Toro size, that cigar was insane. Um, it, I was, it, it was, <clears throat> it's one of those cigars where, so you know how sometimes brands have sort of a, sort of a, a signature, you know, that, that, or factories will have a signature where it's yep. like you taste it and you, you almost think, I just can tell in by some weird way that this cigar came from that factory. It has that Perdomo signature, but it is, it is really apart from their previous blends from their previous, even from their previous anniversary blends, like the 20 year and the 10 year, it's got its own distinct flavor and aroma profile to it. Uh, I was really pleased with that cigar. So I, I'm excited to go out and buy more of those because I I enjoyed that. And plus, I haven't tried the Maduro or the Connecticut yet in that in 30 years. So I definitely want to try that. So I really enjoyed that. That was my notable, uh, notable smokable this week. Uh, and that was all of us uh, for our notable smokables this week. Uh, brought to you by Luciano Cigars. Improving lives through fine cigars. Please visit LucianoCigars.com to learn more all right let's jump into coming attractions on how about that cigar live brought to us by our friends at aj fernandez born and raised in cuba aj fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in esteli nicaragua the aj fernandez portfolio of cigars provides blend strength and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer whether it's New World, Dias de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from AJ Fernandez. All right, guys, coming up soon. Can can I interrupt you for one? Oh, second? yeah, please go ahead. So, Miguel, I know you're in the cigar business, been in forever. What's your little side venture you got going on here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just put it. Listen, I, I am a hat fanatic. I love baseball caps. Obviously, I love baseball as a kid. I love baseball caps. And the cool thing is I get to work with John from CAO and now with Crown Heads. Um, we're both hat guys. We love hat culture. So something I started with my wife is a thing called Herencia 21. Um, Herencia means heritage. 21 is the year that my wife and I put this idea together. 21 also represents Roberto Clemente. And so we started, we have a Instagram, Edencia 21 spelled out. We have a website, Edencia, the number 21.com. If you love hats and you love, you know, Nicaragua, Dominican, Panama, we've got some really cool Latin inspired hats on that website. Check it out. It's something. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. Puerto Rico. He forgot Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. I'm calling your wife and letting her know she you forgot Puerto Rico. <laughs> we got Puerto Rico. We got Cuba. We got all the all the cool. I'm really inspired by Latin baseball. Um, baseball doesn't end for me uh, after the World Series. I start watching um, Winter League in Mexico, Winter League in the Dominican. I love the Caribbean World Series, which is every February. Um, I just love baseball. I love the history of baseball. That is a, kind of my my side gig or my side. Um, 
passion that I love is baseball and Latin American baseball. So I wanted to attach myself somehow to it. And so my wife and I started a little hat company, something the family that does. And if you order a hat, my, my kids pack the box, my wife ships it out. It's just kind of a cool, kind of a cool thing we do. And it allows me to have a little side hobby with something I love. Um, it's a little bit cheaper to start a hat company than a rum company. So I went with the hat company. <laughs> there you go. Well, and uh, that actually just reminds me and uh, it's, I, I just have to throw this out there, baseball related that. So years ago, um, my wife and I uh, helped kind of do a startup at church in, uh, nice. in the twin cities area. And uh, this pastor and his family came to town and one of the kids in this family, this was many years ago. And one of the kids in in this family, uh, his name's Seth Halverson. And, he uh like his like his dad his dad was a uh left-handed pitcher and uh basketball player and unfortunately uh he he got scouted but he he threw out his arm and you know couldn't continue with baseball but his son uh Seth right-handed pitcher came up through the ranks made his way he he uh he first went to uh Mizzou to play baseball and then uh transferred over to uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Mm. Grad- graduated. Um, actually, before he went into college, got drafted by the Twins, and you know, um, went through, you know, some some of their some of the stuff they do with the super young draftees and and that sort of thing. And then went to college, graduated, got drafted by the Colorado Rockies, and along uh, Tennessee Volunteers had it. If you watch college baseball, Tennessee Volunteers had an insane pitching staff. So Seth is a right-handed pitcher on this p- pitching was on this pitching staff. Got drafted by the Colorado Rockies. Uh, they put him directly into rookie ball. He moved up very quickly to the Spokane Indians, and then after only three games with the Spokane Indians, got moved up to the Hartford Yard Goats. Mm, oh yeah. So so he's with the Hartford Yard Goats now. I have a yard. Um, I have I have a yard goat hat. He's he, he is a he's a, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, mostly works in relief, and has an absolutely insane uh, fastball. Uh, he's got a great cutter as well. Uh, he can also hit the ball really well. But uh, I'm very excited for this young, this young man because it's very likely that um, most likely we're we're not going to see him in a Rockies uniform before this regular season is over because there's only about a month left. But excited to see the possibilities of him wearing a Rockies uniform next season. Very cool. So, very cool. Um, you know, I've known him man. since he was like nine years old, and and he's uh, he's an extremely talented young man, and there's, very very grateful to see that. There's nothing harder than going from a young kid to the major leagues. Yeah. Um, it, there's a faster route through football. There's a faster route through NBA, uh, through basketball. Uh, when you when you actually make it to the show in baseball, I don't think some fans realize the grind you have to go through to get to that point. And so a kid, even at that level, he's a professional player playing in the minor leagues. Those are professional players. That is a huge, huge accomplishment. And if he can make it to the show, um, that is one in a million, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can't wait to see him continue to progress. So, um, uh, Miguel, if you would, please give our viewers and listeners an idea, where is the best place for them to keep up with everything going on with crown head cigars? 
Well, you can always check out our website, crownheads.com. But I think the best place you want to follow Crownheads is on Instagram. John Huber handles our Instagram account, The Crowned Heads. And if you follow him, he's the one that posts. He controls it. We don't have anyone managing our social media. You can send him a message directly. Um, that is where you will see all of our blends, uh, off the menu stuff, things that are coming, new releases, hats, swag, all the really exciting things that Crown Heads does. You can see all that through John at uh, the Crown Heads at Instagram. Uh, and that will keep you in the loop on what's happening in the world of Crown Head Cigars. Fantastic. Uh, well, brother, it's we've had you on the show many times and it's always a pleasure. And we just love learning from you and um, your, your passion for uh, premium cigars and the, the people who go into making them is, is clear and evident. And that's why we love talking to you on the show, brother. So thank you so much again for giving us some of your time. Thank you for the well, education. No, well, thank you guys so much. And, and I say this uh, when I'm on a lot of these shows is that the industry is awesome. The industry is been around long before any of us were born. And it's going to be around a lot longer than any of us are going to live. And the fact is that you, me, Everybody involved in this industry, we're carrying the flag for this incredible culture that has existed way before Christopher Columbus landed on, on in the Caribbean. This this cigars and tobacco are part of the American story. It's part of our heritage. It's a plant that's that is that is um, um, native to the Americas. And it's something that I think it's incredible that that we get to be a part of. And the fact that you guys get on every week, you talk about cigars, the culture. Hats off to you guys and what you do, because when I first started smoking cigars, there were no Zooms. There were you wanted to learn about cigars. You had to pick up a magazine or you had to go to your local tobacco to tobacconist. Today, guys like you who bring this information through podcasts, through these videos, you're doing an incredible part in con continuing to grow this culture and keep this culture alive. We could have easily lost it in the, in the 80s when things were tough. We could have lost it through all these bans and all these things that FDA wants to us to do to us but you guys are part of that story and i thank you for doing what you guys do and i and i hats off to you the people that tune in and listen you guys are part of this culture and i think it's absolutely beautiful so hats off to all your viewers and hats off to you guys for putting in the time and energy and promoting this incredible thing we call premium handmade cigars thank you so much brother our pleasure absolutely and uh again thanks for being with us and uh uh hang in the green room with us after we go off the air um and we'll uh but I, I want to thank all our viewers and listeners, of course. Uh, as always, you guys are just the, the best part of How About That Cigar Live. Guys, thank you so much for watching and listening, uh, especially if you're a first-timer. Man, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging with us this evening on the show. Uh, we appreciate that you guys come along here to learn along with us on the show. Um, if you guys have questions for us, you can email us directly on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Be sure to follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. And that now includes TikTok, by That's the way. That's right, baby. I actually dove into the TikTok pool. It's happening. It's real. So thank you guys for checking that out. If you're on TikTok, make sure to follow at HBT Cigar. And, of course, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars. Not bridges. Thanks, guys.
Any comments, opinions, viewpoints, or statements presented or uttered by guests on the HBTC podcast, HBTC live video streams, and all other media from HBT Media LLC are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the opinions or viewpoints of How About That Cigar or its parent company, HBT Media LLC, any of our advertising partners, or the premium cigar industry. The primary purpose of How About That Cigar is to entertain and to encourage activity and growth within the community of people who enjoy or want to learn about the enjoyment of premium premium cigars.